I must tell you that uh, the more you read the Word of God and really read it and listen to it and reflect upon it, the more it takes hold of you. I, I will say this as testimony in my own life. Uh, I've been a priest for 45 years, and, and uh, it, it wasn't until here that I really began to be grabbed in a way that I never have been by the Word of God. And I think the reason is that uh, I began to do writing on the Word every day, and so I put it in the Facebook page, whatever, and, and the more I would reflect upon it, the more images that just pop out. So one that popped out for me uh, around these scriptures is this. Now, I'm, I'm not big on going to rock bands or anything like that. I, I did like Peter, Paul, and Mary and the folk music, and, and even them sometimes, they had uh, people come out uh, as a warm-up act. And uh, in Vegas, they do the same thing. They have these warm-up acts so that the, the big star of the evening doesn't just come on stage and begin the program. You've got to get the crowd ready. So they bring out a comic, or they bring out a, a lesser band, or, or someone who just revs up the audience. That's their purpose. Get the audience going. Pump them up. You're the warm-up act. And it's a great thing because this is how some people get introduced to the stage and audiences, and then they become big themselves. Well, today, these scriptures, uh, the first reading, even the responsorial psalm, and the second reading struck me as a warm-up act for the gospel. Uh, and they're beautiful. The first reading, Isaiah, this is like written about 250 years before Jesus came on the scene, and talking about the servant, and connected with the suffering servant, and how this servant would come into the world in this messianic way to change everything. Wouldn't do it by overpowering people, but, but it would be so gentle the work for justice that it says a smoldering wick wouldn't even be quenched. A wick that you blew it out and then it's glowing red, you, you wouldn't even touch that and, and break up that wick. This mess, messianic person would come as a servant of God and change everything. The responsorial psalm uh, sings out beautifully God's power in the world, even in the raging waters, that God is everywhere, this creative God who inhabits everything there is. God's presence is all presence. But then we hear Paul, he's in the house of Cornelius, speaking to baptized people, and he's noting that um, anybody can be welcomed by God. And this is revolutionary because for the Jews, there are only two types of people in the world, Jews and other. <laughs> Jews, the chosen ones, and then the others, which we call Gentiles. And the Jew, Jews who became Christians did not believe that the Gentiles could be welcomed. They still remained Jews, the chosen ones. But Peter is just blowing their minds as he say, no, God it will take any nation, any nation that opens up to him. And then he speaks about the special anointing of Jesus. So then we come to the gospel. Now, before I get into the gospel, uh, I want to tell you something, but I want to uh, make sure you understand me. I'm not in favor of what I'm about to tell you, uh, these groups, because I think they're very destructive and murderous even sometimes, but I'm in favor of what I see happen to them. Um, well, I'll just get into it. I'm talking about gangs, okay? 
When I was first ordained, I went to the very poor parish in San Marino, huh, um, and spent three years there, and then I went to Venice. Now, Venice was gang-ridden. There was a black gang, and there were at least two, but three um, Latino gangs, and they were at war the year before I got there, and many people, many young people died. Um, I'd never experienced this as a white boy. I, I just, wow, it was extraordinary. <clears throat> I was not in favor of what the gangs did. They were awful. They were destructive, and the, the graffiti and everything, and the, and the, you know, destroying lives. Their poor parents, what they went through because these kids got into gangs, but there was one aspect of it that really struck me, and I found it extraordinary. I'm not in favor of gangs, okay? So hear me. But they had a ritual like baptism, but a real ritual. You see, when we baptize, it's cute. At best, it's pretty. We take a little baby, we put them in all these beautiful white robes, the family comes, everyone's excited, the baby doesn't have a clue what's happening. Then we baptize this baby, and it's cutesy, it's pretty. Now they're a Christian, a Catholic. It, it, but baptism isn't like that. Baptism is an immersion into the waters of death and resurrection to total transformation. So these kids, kids, for whatever reason they were attracted to the gangs, they wanted in. But you didn't just knock at the door and say, can I be a gang member? Uh-uh, mm-mm. You had to be jumped in. And to be jumped in meant that you appeared at the day or the night or the time that they determined, and then beat the snot out of you. You walked into a group of 10, 20 people, and then they all attacked you and started beating on you. Bloody nose, everything. They just they beat you up. Because you had to prove to them, you had to prove to that gang, I'm worthy of being a member of your, your gang, and I want to be there, and I'll take whatever I have to take to get in. Now it's brutal. And I'm not even in favor of that, but it struck me as powerful that these youth would do whatever it took to get into that game. The other piece of it was that when I would experience that one of the gang members got shot and was in the hospital, those gang members were there every minute that they could be there. That person was not left alone. They showed me what it means to be baptized into something. Our ritual is just pretty. So I asked myself, do we really appreciate our baptism? I'm not so sure that we do. I understand baptism to be a complete transformation. Here you are before baptism. You do not belong to the community of faith. And after you go through the ritual of baptism, you're a brother and sister to all these other baptized people. In the early church, for the first couple hundred years, till about 350, that's how it was. You didn't just get into the church. Even if your parents were, were uh, um, Christian, I mean, you had to show something. And especially, well, babies know, they, they began to baptize babies, but any adult that wanted in, they had to prove and walk with the community in a limited way for a year or two or more. And when that community believed that that person really wanted to be a member of the faith and was willing to do whatever they had to do to live or even die for that faith, then they were welcomed in and baptized. 
All we do is just show up. But today in this gospel, we get this incredible scene. And this is, this is I think it's kind of liminal space, uh, as I've said before, this, this funny space where we're experiencing sacredness and, and God stuff going on. And how literal, I don't know. I mean, it, I mean, stop and think. If you were there when Jesus was getting baptized and a dove flew over and then a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son, uh, listen to him. What would that do to you? I'd freak. I'd faint or something. What? What's that voice? So I think that the gospel writers are telling a story of the sacred and they're wrapping it in language, visual language, so that we can understand that something is transforming in somebody and something is becoming more. So how do you tell that? You, if you just say that, well, they were transformed, that doesn't do anything. So you create this scene. So here's the scene. All these people are getting baptized by John, and Jesus is there too, not yet baptized. And something was going on inside their hearts. They were so touched by John, they saw this man walking in sandals and living in the desert and eating locusts and honey and a, a total spiritual man, a guide, leading them to repentance of sin. And so they in their hearts began to assess this. He must be the Christ. Look, it's got to be him. And John says, uh-uh, you got it wrong. I'm not even worthy to touch the Christ's sandals. I'm not worthy to do that. And then all these people get baptized, and then Jesus is baptized. And in this moment of his baptism, this sacred thing happens. The heavens are opened, whatever that means. The heavens were opened. God speaks through this moment. This dove, the Spirit of God, is resting over Jesus. This is my beloved Son. I'm delighted in Him. Well, that's our story too. That's what happens to us. We don't just get baptized into a religion. We don't just uh, find ourselves one day outside of it and then the next day in it. We are chosen by God and called by name, loved into this faith. This is a transforming moment. And if we don't get that, how do we live our baptism? Just show up at Mass? Just receive communion? Do we every single day say, God, you chose me. I'm beloved in your eyes. You adore me. You love me. Do we feel that? Do we know that? Do we accept that? And if we do, then we begin to see how that first reading is a challenge to us. You know, I'm watching this right now. I, I got, got onto it last night, and I, this morning, early, I was watching it. This is a documentary on January 6th. Jesus, it's scary. And I was watching as these people were describing, and they said, we believe in God. We believe in America. And then they did what they did? I don't get it. And I, I haven't said this to anybody yet, but I'm going to say it right now. It looked just like the people that were following Hitler. Exactly to me. Exactly. Calling it good what they were doing. That's not what Jesus says the, the suffering servant or the servant will do. 
my chosen servant? I mean, did you hear these words? This is how Jesus describes, this is how Isaiah, I mean, describes the servant. Thus says the Lord, beautifully read, by the way, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one with whom I'm well pleased, upon whom I have put my spirit. He shall bring forth justice to the nations, but not crying out, not shouting, not making his voice heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he establishes justice on this earth. The coastlines will wait for his teaching. That's what Jesus says about us. Are we committed to that, to bringing about justice and peace? We need to be transformed. And for me, uh, what a perfect way to end the Christmas season and then to begin the ordinary time. Because, as I said on Christmas Day, this and this are absolutely connected. And as Paul says in the Scriptures, that when Jesus was born, this is what the event was about. God came down out of the heavens. He emptied himself of his godliness and took on the form of a slave, our human form, accepting all of the humanness, even death, even death on a cross. That's Paul's description. He emptied himself of his godlikeness to become fully human. But I believe that the beauty of this is that we get to see God enter into our humanity so that our humanity can enter back into God's divinity. And the proof of it is on that cross because it is absolutely divine what Jesus did and said that day. It's divine. How do you be human in the face of inhumanity? How do you do it? How do you be human to a person who spits on you? How do you be human human and humane to a person who rips off your clothes and beats you? How do you be human and humane to somebody who forces you to carry a cross and you know that they're going to nail you to it and hang you up to die? And how do you be human and humane to people that are laughing at you and rejecting you and hating you and killing you? And yet he was. He was utterly divine to be able to say, Father, forgive them all. They know not what they do. The great mystery before us is that there's this mixing of God and human and human and divine, and, and it, it gets focused for us so perfectly in this moment in time where God looks at us, delights in us, and through baptism welcomes us as his very own adopted children. He says, you're my beloved. So as we end this Christmas season, we've got to hear that this is not just the baptism of the Lord. That's our excuse to celebrate and appreciate our baptism, who we are because of God, who we are because of Christ, who we are because we have ritually but also really entered into new life with God.